You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. You know, I'm a counselor, and sometimes I do uh, marriage counseling, and you know, I can say things to a couple that, you know, either spouse couldn't say because they got to go home and go to bed with them, you know what I'm saying? And uh, But I'm not going to be too rough on you today, even though I do have my preacher uniform on. And uh, I did. I wore the tie because it goes with the shirt and covers up some of the nachos I ate last night. And uh, so, anyway, but uh, we're uh, we're excited today. So I want I want you to turn with me into. Uh, we're going to read three passages of scripture, and then I'm going to share with you what I feel like the Lord would have me to say today. And uh, you pray that the Lord would just open up our hearts. And help us. I'm ex- I'm really excited about our mission conference that's coming up, and I want to encourage everybody to be here. I want to encourage you to invite somebody to be here and come and be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, time of the Lord, and I'm excited to hear about what is going on in the in the ministries that are both local and the ones we support already. And uh, we're gonna man, we're gonna have an opportunity to partner with different uh, ministries and stuff, and it's going to be really awesome. Okay, so I want to encourage you. To do that. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses here. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, I'm going to look back in the book of Revelation. So when you go home today, you can tell your neighbor that the preacher preached the everlasting gospel all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. Okay, in chapter 21... And verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. Won't that be a great day? Amen. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? And then finally, we're going to go to John chapter 1, where I'm going to spend most of my time this morning. In the uh, first chapter of John. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Everybody say John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness 
of the light. That was the true light, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. And we're going to pray one more time here. Father, we thank you today, God, for this time that we have to share. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just let the anointing of the Spirit of God just uh, saturate this place as we have sang and, and inquired of the Holy Spirit to come and, and just find its welcome place in, in this atmosphere. God, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that every heart and mind would be open to what you would have them to say. Lord, I pray, God, that this vessel would be the tool that you could use to speak something challenging into our hearts, God, to draw us closer to your cross. And God, Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And everybody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Light is a big deal to God. Light's a big deal. Okay, uh, you know, I, I was thinking uh, before I came here uh, earlier in the week, I was thinking about how I was going to start this message. And, and I considered, uh, you know, having all the lights turned out and just, uh, you know, starting out in a complete dark atmosphere. But then the counselor came out in me and, uh, and I realized that some people that could actually cause some fear and anxiety, maybe because of some trauma that they had in their past or whatever. And so the last thing I'd want is for you to be unsafe in this building, right? And, uh, but light is a big deal. Amen. As I look in the Word of God, I see that on the very first day when God spoke um, light into the world, Amen. That was on the first day, but if you notice in the book of Genesis in the fourth, uh, I mean on the fourth day is when He actually made the sun and the moon and the stars. Isn't that interesting? The sun and the moon and the stars got made on the fourth day, but on the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. And the reason for that is, is that you can't have light, I mean, you cannot have the presence of God without the light of God being present. Amen. Wherever God is, there's going to be light. You know, I love the Bible. Uh, the Bible does not tell us everything. You know, and uh, if you're like me, you have questions that maybe don't get answered by reading every single page in the Word of God. But you know, the Bible does tell us enough stuff most of the time that we can form a fairly decent theology based on what it doesn't tell us. Or what it does tell us. Are you following me? I'm going to tell you something here in a second. So I have this little Gary Duke theology. You don't have to buy into this. Okay, I'll, I'll, I will give a disclaimer right up from the beginning. Okay, you don't have to buy into this, but I believe that Adam and Eve was clothed in light. Amen. I believe that before they sinned, that they were clothed in light. You say, well, where do you get that? Because they were in the presence of God without any hindrance whatsoever. And I look in the Word of God and I see that whenever angels appeared who live in the presence of God on a fairly frequent basis, amen, that whenever they appeared, most usually they, they, they glowed. They were like a light bulb. I also see when Moses went up into the mountain and he spent time with God, the Word of God says that when he came down, that his face shone like a light so much so that they had to put a veil over his face because his face was like the first GE light bulb. Amen. And if he was bald, it was probably like an LED. Hello. <laughs> and so, at any rate, 
Uh, and you know, and, and then we look and we see that when Jesus took the disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says that he, he shone like a light. And the Word of God says that in the book of Revelation that I read you that when we get to that heavenly city called New Jerusalem that there's not going to be any sun or moon. It's going to be light, but it's going to be coming from the Lamb of God. God, light is a big deal, guys. Light is a big deal. And in John wrote in 1 John 1 and 5 that God is light. And Paul, when he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that he was knocked off of his pony by, <laughs> or, or chariot or whatever he was in, amen, by a light from heaven that spoke into his heart. And God told him this. He said, I'm going to make you a light unto the Gentiles. And later Paul wrote in the book of 1 Thessalonians that we should be children of light, not children of darkness. Amen. We're to be light bearers. And so I, I think light is a huge thing. I remember when I was a little kid, I mean, not a little kid, when my kids were little, uh, little, uh, we used to play a little game. And, uh, you know, my, my girls would like put their hands up against their face like that. And, and I would put my hands up against my face and we'd put our hands right up next to each other. I mean, just to where our little faces were like this far apart, you know. And we'd say, it's dark. We'd try to shut it up, shut all the light out. We'd say, it's dark, it's dark. And then slowly we'd start opening up our hands. It's light, it's light. Silly little game. Got me close to her face though, you know. And I loved my little girls. And so just being with them just really was enough for me. But, but you know, it, it, it was a silly little thing that we did, just a, a child's play. But it had a very important message. And the message is, is what John said in the book of John, the light, the darkness does not comprehend the light. The word comprehend in the word of God means to overtake. Amen. So what is he saying? He's saying that you can have the darkest room. You can go, anybody ever go to the cave? You know, the no, Bluff Dwellers or Merrimack or whatever. You know, if you've ever taken one of those cave tours, you know that they get you down there, way down there in the back part of that thing. Amen. And, they, and you don't even notice, really, you're looking at everything, you know, and you're checking everything out. And, you know, you never stop to think they got string of light bulbs back in there, see? And then, and of course, they get you back there and they say, okay, now then, we're going to show you what it looks like when we turn the light out. And so you turn the light out and it is so dark. How many of you have done this? Amen. It is so dark that you cannot see your hand this close to your face. I mean, it is pitch dark. You know, the Bible describes hell as utter darkness. Amen? And so it is so dark, you cannot see. And I had a friend of mine, he had six little girls, and he took them down to Merrimack, and uh, the youngest little baby, uh, she had just gotten some tennis shoes, and back then, uh, for, uh, you know, they had a little thing going where the, uh, the thing that was cool was getting glow-in-the-dark tennis shoes. And so, like, they got back all the way back in the back of that cave, and they turned the lights out, and all you could see was them little shoes. The darkness did not overtake the light. Amen? And so if there is light, wherever there is light that is shining into the darkness, it's going to be victorious. God has called us to be a light bearer. How many of you know that, that before you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we were walking and stumbling in darkness? 
When we came to know Christ, when we asked God to come into our hearts, whatever our testimony is, whatever our story is, amen, at that moment we had the illumination of God's love come into our heart and our life. Amen. The revelation of what He's done for us, the gospel message, however it was told to us. It didn't have to be a big theological thing. All we had to understand was, is that, man, I need God. We were lost. We were undone. Christ died on a cross for our sins. I can, I, He paid for my sin. And all we had to do was accept that. And suddenly it was like the light came on, man. And you could see everything different. Everything was changed, wasn't it? If it wasn't, you missed it somehow or another. Amen. I want to talk about this guy, John, because the Lord really kind of pricked my heart about this guy, and, and that's where I want to focus my attention today. Amen. Because I see John, you know, uh, John uh, to me is like a parallel of the church. Okay? And when I say the church, I don't just mean our church. I mean the church of Jesus Christ. Everyone who's a part of, uh, uh, who's a Christian, who's a believer, is a part of the church. How many of you know that? You know that if we had gathered together today out in the parking lot, and this building would have been laying in a twisted mass from a tornado last night, that, that if we were gathered out in that parking lot, the church would still be intact. Because we're the church. The building's not the church. The building is a blessing, amen, but the building's not the church. I never read anywhere where Christ looked at the disciples and said, go build a building. It's great that we got them, amen. But the church is, 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 is you and I, amen. And so God has raised us up to be a light bearer, and I see John, this man, John the Baptist. I remember when, when Matt first came, and he was preaching on John the Baptist, this hairy guy, you know. Y'all remember that? And, and, we, and he was talking about John the Baptist, how he was unique, and he stood out, and he was, he had a, he was a little different kind of guy. But I, I look, and, I, and the Lord began to show me such a parallel between John the Baptist's ministry and the ministry of the church, because John the Baptist came after 400 years of darkness. Amen. When we say 400 years of darkness, we don't mean that the sun wasn't coming up and going down every day. Because it was. They were still having its normal 24-hour cycle. But what was dark, amen, was the fact that the Word of God was not being proclaimed. There was no open revelation from, from the Lord. Amen. People were just going about, doing their own thing. And God was not seemingly involved in their lives like He wanted to be. Hey, listen, we live in a country right now, in a world right now, where people are going about, doing their own thing. Amen. They go here and there and they seek after their own, uh, you know, their careers and their success and their finances and whatever it might be. And if they're not careful, they totally block out the light that God wants to shine in their life. Well, you and I probably know somebody like that. Amen. The Bible says that uh, Zechariah was a priest. That was John's daddy. And Zechariah was ministering every year, or you know, they picked somebody to be able to go in and, and minister in the Holy of Holies. And, and, you know, probably you could live your whole lifetime and never get the privilege of going into the Holy of Holies and have, and have been a priest. But for whatever reason, the lot fell upon Zechariah, and his number came up, and he got to go into the Holy of Holies. And while he was in there, the glory of God came down, and an angel appeared unto John, and, I mean Zechariah, and told him, your wife is going to have a baby. Now his wife was elderly, 
Okay? She was past the year of childbearing, and plus she was barren, which means that she wasn't able to have children when she wasn't past that age. But guess what? God spoke to him and he said, I'm going to do something miraculous. I'm going to give you a, a son, and, and, and his name is going to be John. And so God called this man John, and he said, I'm going to fill him with the Holy Spirit from the very womb. That's what the Word of God says in the book of Luke. Later, about six months later, Mary received a visit from the same angel. He was like the stork. So, So he shows up, he says, guess what, you're going to have a baby, you know. And, of course, you know the story because we just went through Christmas and all. And, and so Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's already five or six months pregnant. And she sees her. And, of course, you know, they embrace one another, I'm sure. And when their little baby bumps, bumped. The Bible says that the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped with joy. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. This is before Pentecost. This is before TBN. Hello. God wasn't bound by all that stuff. Are you hearing me today? And so uh, she, he was filled from the Holy Spirit. He come out of the womb being with purpose, empowered by the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something about the church today. Amen. The church came out of the womb, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the, in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, Jesus told the disciples, listen guys, don't do anything until you receive power from on high. He said, but after you receive power, amen, you shall be a witness unto me. What's a witness? A bearer of the light. Hello. Amen. He said, you shall be a witness unto me into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, you guys are going to make a difference. But don't do anything until you get the power of God. And they tarried in Jerusalem, and on the day of Pentecost, which is the church's birthday, amen, God calls the Spirit of God to come down upon the church, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. The fire set on their head. The wind blew through the room. They began to preach the Word of God. What, 5,000 people, I believe, got saved that day. Man, that was a revival. The first day was a pretty banner day. Amen. And so they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are to be empowered by God. We as a part of the church, not the pastor, not the deacons, not the elders, all of us. All of us should seek a presence of the Holy Spirit in our life to the place to where we can be that light bearer that God has called us to be. You know, I have a job that I go to every week. You likely have one too. I have neighbors. You probably got neighbors. I got family members. You may have family members. Hello? Amen. I'm not going to probably be able to reach your your co-workers and your neighbors and your family members with the Word of God, but you can. You can. God has called you to be that light bearer. Amen. God places people in our life. Brother Tony is a perfect example. Amen. As he goes about and does what it is that he's supposed to be doing. I told him the other day, I said, what do you do anyway? What is cons- I, got, I need to get into this consulting gig because everybody that does it, they get to fly around everywhere and stuff. And, and so he told me what he did. And I said, you know what you need? And he was like, what? And I said, you need a guy that walks behind you with a clipboard 
So whenever you need something done, you just go, hey, call so-and-so, tell somebody to do such-and-such or whatever. I said, dude, that's me. I could be your clipboard guy. (laughs) And I'll just tag along, you know. We'll have a great time. All right. Anyway, so we're in power. Now, listen, I got some notes here, but they're too big for me to put in my Bible. And I I didn't like that. So I, okay, but I got to remember. Okay. All right. I want to talk, uh, illustration, T.L. Osborne, David Os- uh, David Brainerd. Anybody ever heard of David Brainerd? Nobody. Yes. David Brainerd was a missionary back in the 1700s. He was one of the first missionaries. Well, he was the first missionary to the American Indian in, on the East Coast. David Brainerd was called to be a missionary, and he went. And, and in those days, you could not be a licensed minister without graduating from Yale or or one of these schools that are now liberal. But at that time, they were religious schools, and so he went there. He got kicked out of the school, and so he got uh, uh, ordained by another organization. And so he went into the uh, the woods, the forest, and began to try to reach the American Indian. Nobody really told him exactly what to expect. He had tuberculosis in four or five, I think it was three or four or five years, he traveled over 3,000 miles on horseback to reach the American Indian with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was rejected most of the time. But you know what? He kept praying. He kept praying for a presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and, and I used to have, I, I looked for it today, I was going to read it to you. I've got it somewhere, but I had a paperback that was a diary of David Brainerd. His words. And on the day that the Holy Spirit fell upon the Indian tribe that he was trying to reach, you would think you was reading about Acts chapter 2. The Bible said, I mean, David Brainerd said that they were smitten with the Holy Ghost that they were weeping uncontrollably, that they were laying out on the ground. They were even speaking languages he had never even heard of before. And God sent a mighty revival to these Indian people. Amen. Why? Because somebody wanted to be a light bearer and they was looking to God to empower them to do so. Amen. T.L. Osborne was a great minister over in, 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 uh, on the other side of the continent in uh, India. And, and you know, T.L. Osborne had a great ministry, a great healing ministry, but it didn't start out that way. He went to India with his wife and he preached the gospel. Nobody responded. You know, because in India, they got lots of gods. They got millions of gods. Amen. And so like, they were like, okay, well, so what? You got a god. We got a lot of gods. And, and so he was very dejected. He went back home, and uh, this was back in the early 60s, late 50s. He went to a healing revival, and I forget if it was Oral Roberts or one of those guys was ministering, and people were getting healed. God was working in a miracle, in a miracle way. And, you know, he came home, and the Lord spoke to T.L. Osborne and said, you know what, you can do that, because I'm the one that's doing it. It's not the guy, it's you. It's, it's God working through him. And so him and his wife, Daisy, set aside time and began to pray and seek God. They went back to India. And the first uh, ministry that they were a part of, God began to heal people. He, said, he, he, he was bold, man. He got up in front of all these people. And before he even preached the gospel, he said, If there's any people in here that are blind, raise your hand. And there was a huge crowd out there. And they raised, there were several people raising their hand. He said, I'm just going to pray that my God, Jesus, is His name. My God's name's Jesus. He said, I'm going to pray that Jesus is going to heal you. 
And he started praying. And he said, all of a sudden, he heard over on this area, I can see. I can, over here, look, I can see. One by one, God started healing him just out there in the crowd. It wasn't because of T.L. Osborne. It was because God wants him to be a light bearer. And suddenly, they listened to the gospel. Many people ended up getting saved. Amen. God wants us to be empowered by the Spirit. Never put God in a box, guys. Never put God. It's not about a sign. It's not about a denomination. Hello. God can do anything He jolly well pleases because He's God. All right? And, and, and so don't ever put God in a box. The second thing about John is, is he understood what his purpose was. Amen. He understood his purpose. His purpose was to share the Word. That's what God has called us to do, to be a witness. Our testimony is the most powerful thing that we have. Amen. You can argue the Bible with people till Jesus comes. Everybody's got their own brand of theology. They all got their own interpretation of Scripture. Are you hearing me today? You know, you can play, I call it Bible ping pong. You know, where you sit there and you just bounce that ball back and forth on the table and nobody's getting anywhere. But you know what? When you walk up to somebody and you tell them, you know, I don't know about what you believe, but listen, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you about my life. I was lost and undone, or I was a drug addict, or I was an alcoholic, or man, I was lonely, or I came from a broken home. Amen. And, and you know what? I asked Jesus to come, and things changed for me. Amen. That is the most powerful witness that we can have. That in our life. Amen. I remember the first guy that I ever uh, uh, talked to where God used me. I, was in, I had just gotten saved, and man, it wasn't but even, not even a month, probably three weeks I mean, I'd been a heroin addict, and I got saved, and I was living at my parents' house in their little apartment, and my dad was a minister, and you know, I'd gotten cleaned up, and, and uh, we were on our way to church, and we were actually going down to Corsicana to see, where, to the church where my wife was at, <clears throat> and uh, we stopped at this red light in, in Texas in July, man. Anybody ever been to Texas in July? You've been to hell pretty close. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's hot, okay, and so anyway, we, we went, we're sitting, and you know, I was sitting, I had a suit on, my dad had, uh, you know, and we wore the same size clothes, and I had one of my dad's suits on, and I'd gotten a haircut, and I looked clean, and, and uh, you know, my mama was sitting in the back, and air conditioner was going, and my daddy had this Buick Regal, and, and we're sitting at this red light, and all of a sudden, this black guy pulled up in this pea green looking Impala with the windows down, and he just profusely sweating and his hair's all nappy and his shirt's about, you know, buttoned down to about right here and we're sitting at this red light and he looks over at me and I looked at him and he goes, roll the window down. Now I was raised in South Dallas, okay? And, uh, and so, which is kind of a little rough area, so I'm thinking, yeah, right, whatever, dude, I'm not rolling that window down. And, and, and I look back over at him and, but there was something in his eyes. It was like a desperation, you know. He goes, roll the window down. So I hit the button. The window come down. All that nice cool air exited the car. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, what do you want? Like that. And he looked at me and he said, I saw your bumper sticker. I saw your bumper sticker. I didn't even know my dad, had, you know, what it, I didn't know what kind of bumper sticker he had. I said, yeah, what about it? And he goes, it says prayer changes things. He said, my name's Bill. 
I'm a heroin addict. He said, would you pray for me? Like that, man, my heart was smoked. I looked at him. I said, I can do more than that, Bill. I said, two weeks ago or however long it was, I said, I was just like you, man. He goes, you? I didn't look like it then. I said, yeah, man, I was just like you three weeks ago or whatever. And, and, and I said, God saved me. And I said, He can do the same for you and I'm going to pray for you. And he said, okay, man. All of a sudden, hope like came into his eyes. And you know, and the light changed, and we went on our merry way. And for 60 miles, I sat in that seat and I wept like a baby because I realized that God could have sent Bill to practically any red light in Dallas on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and found some kind of Christian. But he didn't want just any Christian. He wanted somebody to be able to look at him and go, I've been where you've been. Amen. God wants to turn our misery into our ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to know what our purpose is in Christ. Our purpose is to be a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus. Amen. To be able to speak it out as He would have fit. And you know what? God will send those divine appointments to us if we will be open and willing to, to step out on faith. John was a man who was aware of, of the need. We live in a dark world. I, you know, in this world in which we live in, in our country, we don't really think about it that much because we're so busy tied up doing the things and there's so much rejection to the gospel. But I want you to know something today. Most of the world is not like that. Most of the world is hungry. Amen. They realize that they're lost and undone. I want to show you a video today. It's five minutes long and then I'm going to speak uh, again. Can you, can you do it, brother? Please watch this.
that don't stir your soul, your spoon fell out of your bowl. You know what I'm saying? That's one man's ministry in one country, Nigeria. The man was Reinhard Bonnke. He's retired now. Another brother took over his ministry and is continuing it on. But that is one man's ministry. Of course, he was part of an organization. That's how hungry the world is for Jesus Christ. That's how hungry they are. That's how dark this world is, looking for the light of Christ. You know, we here in the country we live in, we lose sight of the opportunity that lays beyond our doors. Amen. Yes, our neighbors, our friends, our family, they're all people that we should be trying to reach with Christ. But let me tell you something. If, if I, had, I had never given that man one penny, okay? But if I had sowed into his ministry... I would reap part of that. Amen. We are co-laborers in the field. And when we sow into missionaries' ministries, we co-partner with them. And you know what? One of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord, man. And you know, the, 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 the rewards are going to be given. And the crowns are going to be handed out. And wouldn't you like to be a part of something bigger than yourself? Amen. I do. Amen. Hallelujah. So he was aware of his need. John knew that he was in a dark world. He knew that the word of, that the word of God had been lacking amongst them, and he came forth with a bold message. And that is the bold message that we need to have today. You know, uh, one of the greatest things we can do is be straight with people. You know, I know that we. You know, I'm not talking about standing on a street corner with a sign saying you're going to hell. Although maybe that might work with somebody. I don't know. You know, but I will tell you this, that if we don't open our mouths and share the word of God that God has placed within us, we do them an injustice. 
If you walked out your house today to, to walk your dog and you walk by your neighbor's house and, and it's on fire and you can see them inside there and they're unknowing of what's of the danger that's before them, I don't think that you're going to like you know think to yourself, well, I don't want to offend them. You know, I don't want to be too too forward. Uh, I mean, or, or, and you certainly wouldn't just go to the door and say, you know, I was wondering, could you possibly consider thinking about exiting your home? Because I have a feeling that there is a problem that may occur that could bring destruction on your family, you know? No, that's not what you're going to, you're going to go, man, your house is on fire. Amen. Get out before you before you're destroyed. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we should have an urgency in our message. John had a bold message. His message was one word: repent. <laughs> repent. What does the word repent mean? It means turn around and go the opposite direction. The direction you're going is no good. The bridge is out. Hello. Amen. Turn around and go back while you still have time to do so. I think it's probably a message that's full of grace and mercy and love and compassion. Don't be afraid to share a message of Jesus Christ with the people that are around you. Be a light bearer. Amen. You can do it with love. You can do it with grace. You can do it seasoned with wisdom. Amen. The Bible says it's a wise man that winneth souls. Amen. Yes, we have to be aware of how people's minds work, but at the same time, we still got to open our mouth, guys. We still got to open our mouth, and we still got to share the word. Amen. Uh, John had a bold message. You know, I had a, um, he was courageous. I used to go to church with this guy. His name is Ron Long. And Ron was one of those odd fellows that comes to churches sometimes. We don't have any of those people here. But Ron really was a little odd, okay? Uh, he rode a bicycle to church, and uh, so, uh, you know, I don't, it wasn't because of a DUI or nothing. He just didn't have any money. And, uh, and so, like, it could be, man, it could be pouring down rain outside, and, uh, you know, I mean, just torrential rain downpour, and, you know, and Ron would walk in the door dripping wet because he rode his bike to church. And most of the time, his hygiene wasn't too great. His breath smelled a little funny most of the time. He needed a mento, most, most usually. And, uh, and not only that, but uh, he, you know, he, he didn't have, at that time, he didn't have a wife. He actually did get married eventually. But he didn't have a wife uh, to tell him how to dress. And so a lot of the times, he'd come into church and his collar would look like that. He'd come walking in just dripping wet, you know. I hope I can get this down. <laughs> and, uh, and, but Ron was a little odd. He was raised in an orphanage. And uh, he was in a Christian boy's home for most of his life. And they used to take the, take, take the, uh, the youth out and let them witness and share the, the message of Jesus. And so Ron told me one time, he said, I'll never forget one time they took us to this park and they parked the van and he said, we were going to disperse and go into these different little neighborhoods and try to share the gospel. And he said, when I got off the van, he said, I noticed there was a biker gang there in the park. It was one of those biker gangs. <laughs> Not a bunch of guys out just driving around, but a biker gang, you know. And so, like, I said, no kidding. He, he said, yeah. I said, what'd you do? He said, 
They all took off. He said, I thought, you guys, you missed it. They're right here. You know, he's like, where, where are you going? And he said, so I walked up to, the, to one of them, and he said he was a big guy, had a lot of tattoos, and he said he looked real mean. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, I just started sharing with him the gospel. And, and you know, he's just in his naive way, you know. And I'm like, well, Ron, I said, wasn't you a little bit uh, concerned that maybe this guy was going to, like, beat you up or something? He goes, no, I had learned already that usually they will say no two or three times before they hit you. <laughs> he, he ended up leading the guy to the Lord, you know. And so, you know, cor- courageous. I don't know if that's stupidity or courage, but nevertheless, you know, I mean, we got to be the kind of person who's willing to step into those situations. Amen. John the Baptist was pretty courageous. He stood in front of a king, amen, and said, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be married to this woman because that's your brother's wife. Hello. And, uh, you know, God's going to judge you for that. And, of course, he lost his head over it. Amen. Hallelujah. But still yet, he had the courage to believe that the, the truth was more important than its comfort. Praise God. I'm almost done. Stick with me for a second. He had one goal. And that goal was to win the lost. That goal was to win the lost. To point people to Christ. He had one goal. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. His one goal was to say, Behold, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the earth. Amen. If you can just get a glimpse of this man that I'm telling you about, he is the answer. He holds the key to everything that you're concerned about. Amen. We, uh, we knew a lady, or still know a lady, by the name of Carol Allender. And, uh, and she uh, ministers, I think Gina actually referenced her last week uh, for a second. And, but she ministers down in McAllen, Texas. And it's a little more difficult now because they've changed a lot of things. But for a long time, she was over a, a large number of small churches there on the border, just inside the Mexi- in, in Mexico. And uh, so, like, she would support these, because these pastors have no money. I mean, they had no resources. They don't have literature. They don't have Bibles. They don't have anything. You know, a lot of times they're just living in, you know, very dire situations. And so her church was like a, like a, a mother church that tried to support them and, and get them uh, materials and help and assistance in whatever way they needed. But, and Carol Allender is still there. She's been a missionary now for probably 30, 30 years at least, I bet. And, but when she started out, her and her husband owned a, a business in Little Rock, Arkansas. And they were just business people. She came to church. She, did, she was like the church secretary. And, and you know, but God, she, God spoke into her heart. And she began to pray. And she had one prayer. Her prayer was simply this. God, let my life count for something. Let my life count for something. And you know what? The Lord laid on Carol's heart to take a map of Little Rock and to begin to section it off in little little tin block areas or whatever. And to and and because she had a lot of spare time during the day, her husband ran the business. She would go out during the day, and she had gospel tracts, and she'd just knock on doors and ask people if they'd like to pray, you know have prayer, or she'd just give them a gospel tract. And within about six years, uh, Carol Allender single handedly had knocked on every door in Little rock that's pretty crazy isn't it 
at the time that when she started finishing up doing this, God spoke to her heart and said, I want you to be a missionary to Mexico. She didn't know how to speak Spanish. Her and her husband owned a business. She didn't know nothing about missions. She's like, what? I'm just a little Arkansas girl, barefooted. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know nothing about this. I don't know nothing about being a missionary. And God, and God said, you've already been a one. You, you already got six years' experience. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'm going to help you. I will aid you. And God gave her the ability to learn the language. And she, her and her husband sold their business, went to McAllen, and they've been there for like 30 years ministering, all because of one reason. She prayed a prayer that said, God, let my life count for something. Man, I want my life to count for something. When, I, when I'm done with all this, amen, I don't want people to say that, uh, you know, I was this or that or whatever. I want somebody to remember me as a person who gave himself for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be spent for God, don't you? It's the greatest thing we can do, guys. Hey man, it's got the greatest reward there is. There ain't much retirement into it, but the, you know, the, the, the reward is unbelievable. Hey Amen. And so, uh, John the Baptist had one goal. Lastly, he was willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. How much time I got left? Seven minutes. Okay, I'm going to hit you and go. This is where the evangelist part comes in. Sa everybody say sacrifice. When's the last time that you did anything that took faith? When's the last time you did anything that took faith? You say, well, what's faith? Faith is when you're doing something when you can't explain it. Amen. If you can figure it out, it's not faith. Okay? If I, have to, if I can look in my checkbook and budget it, that's not faith. Hello? Faith is when we are willing to step out on what God tells us to do without knowing exactly how it's going to work out, but trusting that God is the one that's going to lead us and He's going to provide the need. That's faith. When I was pastoring in Reeds, Missouri, hopefully I didn't tell you this already, but when I was pastoring in Reeds, Missouri, in the Assemblies of God, the first Sunday of the month is usually designated as Mission Sunday. It's the Sunday that we take an offering designated for Assembly of God missionaries. How many, was there anybody in here that ever had a buddy barrel in their life? Anybody? I'm the only, nobody? Wow. Okay, so we got no AG people here. Okay, so at any rate, the little kids, they have a ministry where they, they got these little yellow barrels and they would save their change all month long. And then the little kids would come and they'd put their, you know, we'd have the boys versus the girls and they'd bring their change. And basically we were just teaching them to give, you know, to, to, to give to God's work. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, we had, uh, we were pastoring this little church up in Reeds, Missouri, uh, which uh, I won't even talk about Reeds because y'all already know it's probably the armpit of Missouri. Anyway, and so we were up there and and uh, and the Lord began to speak to my heart to give to missions and I thought man I'm broke dude I mean <laughs> you know I'm, I'm like God what do you mean I am we are living in a single wide mobile home in the middle of a cow pasture I'm in Bible college we're driving 30 miles one way to get there I'm throwing a newspaper route after I get done with college every day to try to help provide the needs we're pastoring this little church that's got like three old women and a dog and and uh and, and i'm making 50 bucks a week right and so like i mean literally that's how much my salary was and so like it was it was it was dire situations here and the lord's like i want i want you to give to missions you know and i'm like lord okay 
I don't know how I'm going to do it, you know. And so, I, and, and the Lord said, I want you to give $50. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I know that I'll at least get a $50 check every week, so that works out. You know, that may be the only money we have, but that, that does work out. And so I told God, I said, okay, God, here's the deal. I'll give you the $50 as long as I've got it. Okay, I'm not going to write you a hot check. You know, I'm just not going to write God a hot check, okay? And so I said, Lord, I'll give it to you as long as I got it, right? And so one day, there was two times. One day I, I, I wrote that check for $50, and it was literally all the money we had. We had a whole week facing us to go back and forth to school. And, and to, you know, we had two little babies. One was two, and the other one was just born. And, and uh, I mean, it was, it was tough, man. And, uh, and I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Man, this is faith, you know. Hey, faith comes in all forms. How many of you believe that? When you ain't got nothing, 50 bucks is faith, buddy. And, uh, and I was like, okay, God. You know, I'm going to do it. And so I wrote this check for 50 bucks. Man, I come home and I tell my wife, baby, you better put some water in the beans this week because we're going to be eating them all week long. And so Sunday night we came back to church. We probably had 12 people Sunday morning. We probably had four Sunday night because that's the way it works, you know, back then. My dad had given us this little Plymouth Caravel. It was a little car. And, um, and we, uh, we always locked the doors when we got out of it when we went to church because right across the street from the church was these two old guys that, well, they just were very unseemly. <laughs> and so I don't know. They, uh, I think anyway. And so anyhow, we didn't trust them because they, 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 were, they were robbers and thieves for sure probably. And so we locked the door. We went in. We had church. We come back out of church, and we, we, I unlocked the door. The door opened up. My wife was on the other side, and, and the dome light came on. And on the dashboard of my car was five $10 bills spread out just like that, like a hand, like five fingers. That's what it reminded me of. And as soon as the light came on, we, got, I, we sat down in the car, and we looked, and I looked at that. And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and I said, didn't I just unlock the door? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, how did that get here? And she said, had to be God. An angel must have left it or something. That's the way God works. So is that crazy? God can do anything he wants. I love Tony, Tony Evans' definition of faith. He said, faith is acting like it is so when it doesn't appear to be so, so that it might become so because God said so. <laughs> Can I say that again? Faith is acting like it is so when it doesn't appear to be so, so that it might become so because God says so. That's faith. Amen. I want to encourage you today. Amen. That we would become light bearers and people of faith who would be willing to step out and sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Listen, hey, if you, there is no such thing, uh, there's no such thing as outgiving God. You can't outgive God. He's got a bigger shovel than you got. Amen. No matter what you do, He's going to do more. He's always going to bless you back. That's the way it works. Amen. And so the only thing that God can't do is he can't anoint nothing. Are you with me today? He can anoint something. He can create something. But he can't anoint nothing. You've got to have something to work with. 
Amen. You know, God looked at Mo- or spoke to Moses out of a burning bush, and Bo- Moses said, man, I'm nobody. I got nothing. What do you want me to do? He said, what is that in thine hand? He said, it's a stick. He said, throw the stick on the ground. Threw the stick on the ground, it became a snake. He said, pick it up. He picked it up, it was a stick again. He said, now, go lead my people out. Amen. I'll take your stick, and I'll empower it with the power of, the, of God, and God will make you a leader. Amen. Hallelujah. He, he, you know, David walked out in front of a giant with a sling and five stones. Amen. He didn't need the armor of Saul. He didn't need a sword. All he needed, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. The battle is not mine. It's God's. Hallelujah. When we put God first and we trust Him, God can do anything. He, can, he, he, he glories in being able to work through us. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to think about it. As we come up on this mission conference, I want you to be praying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Not what you'd have Brother Doug to do or whoever. Amen. But Lord, what do you want me to do? What part, what role can I play? Who can I partner with that I can stand before you one day and say, hey, I was a part of that. I was a part of that. Amen. God will bless you for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me today. We're just going to have a closing prayer. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are, you are mindful of every need that we have in our body, that you're mindful of, of the situations with our missionaries and the ministries that we support, the ministries that are local here in our area. God, we, we know that you're mindful of, of what we're able to do, what we're capable to do, and Lord, what you're wanting to do through us. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open and our ears would be receptive to your word, to your voice, God, as you speak to us, as you draw us closer to this time. I pray, God, that you would just begin to just prepare us. God, make us like fertile ground that you can just plant seeds in and it'll just spring up. Lord, we just give you praise today. Lord, if there's anybody in this building today that doesn't know you, the light of God has not shined in their life, that they're still stumbling in darkness. God, that they would ask Christ to come into their heart and that they would accept the love and the, and the joy that only comes through Him. And Lord, we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, New Life Church. Give the Lord one more praise. What are you doing?